There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to Whoa, That Old Queen, a candid and adult take on queer life quandaries at a certain age. So please listen at your own discretion. Presented by Bernie and Tommy, the views here are purely those of the content providers and in no way reflect those of any service you may hear this program on. Now, please at your ears be upstanding for the <coughs> old queens. Hello, Tommy. Hello, Bernie. <laughs> How are I'm you? I'm going to try and under you by looking at the at the webcam rather than looking either at my own reflection or you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Great. That's good. <laughs> I feel like we're engaged then. <laughs> I seem yeah, to look all I'm over the place. I seem to look all over the place with it. I don't even know where the camera is. Oh, there it is. <laughs> um, so how have you been? What's your week been like? It's been like sort of fraught with kind of like form filling in. I wrote on a post-it note, only the people that can fill in forms will survive. Um, <laughs> as a sort of pre- my little mini protest to all the forms that I have to fill in. But once I got over that, and I actually was on hold for like three hours one day, both to HSBC and HMRC. Oh, God. Um, but once I've got over that, I am still finding positives in yes. the situation. Um, still enjoying moments. Feeling like going, I'm loving going live on Instagram. Did that last night. This morning I woke up with a sense and feeling that I went out last night. Yeah, because you did a thing with Timberlina where you were doing tarot readings, which I watched. And then you did some more later on, which I didn't stay on board for. I was just checking in to see what you were up to. I got got really carried away and was just like, I could just do this on my own. And I just did that. I know. But it's amazing because it is like... Because I think last night after your tarot reading, I was really craving to just talk to somebody do you know what Mm. I mean and and just engage and um it it just wasn't really happening (laughs) 
<laughs> last night. I think I think the hard thing is like when you when you turn off the Zoom call or whatever it is, it just feels much more. The execution of that feels much harsher. It's not the kind of long goodbye that you get in real life. No, and I mean it was interesting because I recorded the uh, the Mayfest podcast with uh, Matthew and Kate, and they were talking about that that whole like the walk home uh, mm. and how you process things like that. So if if we'd actually met up in a, or if one meets up in a pub with someone and has a conversation or a cafe, then the kind of goodbye is prolonged and meaningful. And then you have that walk home to process everything. And then you're home on your own. Whereas at the end of a Zoom call, you're starkly home on your own immediately. Yeah, and you get that kind of nauseating, frozen image of yourself waving, <laughs> like, like bitch resting face. Yeah, <laughs> and I, yeah, I suffer from bitch resting face a lot. So, <laughs> anyway, what what have we got this episode? We've got Kink My Bluff. We'll go live on Instagram with that in a second. But what have, what have you got for us? Oh, um, well, I was going to say we've got Boogaloo Stew coming on as well, haven't we? Yeah, totally. Which is going to be fun. There is something about Boogaloo Stew that has a sort of nod to something like rock and roll 1950s, because I want to talk to you about Little Richard. Ah, yes. Well, quiffs galore this evening. Yeah. (laughs) Who sadly passed away um, last week. Yes. Although really... If I'm honest with you, I hate to admit it, I actually thought he died a couple of years ago. Do you know what? So did I. Do you think it's weird? Do you think it's a Mandela effect? Do you think we've popped into a separate reality where he didn't die a few years ago? I don't know quite what happened, but when you think about his life story, there's so much go to's and fro in in terms of kind of religion and and sexuality that may there are many lives to little richard and some of them some of them died a long time ago yeah yeah definitely okay well that's great so we can we can talk about little richard but um shall we play kink my bluff on instagram yes please okay yes please i've got some interesting words for you today okay well i'm gonna switch I feel like I've got some quite basic ones, but I don't think we've had them. Okay. Well, let's let's see. I'm going to switch over to Instagram now. Hello, Bernie. Hello, Tommy. <laughs> How are you doing? Good. I'm just getting comfy on the stove. Okay. Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna sit back and relax, ready for us to play yeah. uh, Kink My Bluff. Exactly. Ooh, we've got quite a few people joining. Hi, Luca. And look, eight six one two one, whoever that is. <laughs> I, I, I might change my name into a number. Anyway, you ready to play Kink My Bluff? I think so. Are you going to play some music? I'm going to play some music. Yeah. Okay, let's play. Great. Kink. I'll have a sip of my white wine. Okay, let's play Kink My Bluff. Hey, Stepford Husband. Thanks for joining us for Kink My Bluff. Okay, uh, do you want me to go first? Go on then. Okay, well, the word I have for you today is bluff. Bluff. 
Bluff. B L. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's, it's just minus one F. Okay. So it's B L U F, and um, it's an acronym. Mm. So does the word bluff have a fetish link? Does it stand for the Breeches and Leather Uniform Fan Club, which is an international fraternal organization of gay men and men who have sex with men, MSM, sharing a fetishistic, fetishistic, that's easy for you to say, interest in leather breeches and uniforms, or is it just an acronym for bottom line up front? Which sounds a bit like a fetish to me anyway. So, what do you reckon? Friend, friend of, 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 of Senna says, Bernie, you are so beautiful. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> I needed that today. <laughs> so, what do you reckon? Sorry, can you tell me the, the second one again? Yeah. Is it just a benign acronym, meaning bottom line up? front bottom line up front which i said uh, sounds like a bit of a fetish to me anyway line up front. yeah um the birches I think, or licked it so I think it's mine thinks it's a kink i i think it's not a kink i think it's a what did you say standard a- acronym bottom line up front which sounds like a bit of a kink anyway um i can reveal to you it is a kink Oh, got it wrong. <laughs> yes, yeah, so it's the Breeches and Leather Uniform Fan Club. And that's an interesting... The, the MSM is an interesting thing. I've never really heard of that before, which is men who have sex with men, but obviously don't identify as being gay. Oh, well, I think it's kind of much more... Of, yeah, I mean, it's used quite a lot within, like, sexual health because oh, yeah. it, com- it encompasses, uh, you know, exactly what you're saying, men who have sex with... Because I guess gay is also an identity. Um, yeah, totally. Sorry, I just got slightly um, <laughs> distracted by some of the comments. I know. <laughs> You're amazing. <laughs> I know. Uh, thank you. I never noticed your lips. Are they amazing? Um, I, I, let's hope so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what have you got for me? Catopromptophilia. Catopromptophilia. Yeah. Catopromptophilia. Okay. What is it? Is it an either an irrational fear of petrol fumes, thinking that you will immediately be burnt or be on fire? Oh, I think I might have that. Or is it having sex or masturbating in front of them? Sorry, you cut out of the last bit. Having sex or masturbating in front of... A mirror. A mirror. Have you ever done that? Yeah, I have had sex in front of a mirror. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure we've all done that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, because I like the sound of that, I'm going to go for having sex in front of the mirror. Correct. Mm. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> one nil to me <laughs> okay so the next word is bum fuzzle <laughs> bum fuzzle okay is it 
a brush-like dildo, which is inserted for pleasure, or a simple term that refers to being confused, perplexed, or flustered. Kink or bluff? The hairy dildo. You think it's a hairy dildo? It is, in fact. <laughs> Kink my bluff. <laughs> it is, in fact. Sorry. Very bad. It's, yeah, it's just uh, being perplexed or flustered or confused. I think I'm bumfuzzled most of the time these days. Not Maybe the- I can <laughs> help with, with the next one. Okay. What have you got for me? Dentrophilia. Right. Is it feeling sexually attracted to trees? Mm-hmm. It's a literal translation of tree loving. Not oh. to be confused with tree hugging. Mm. That's, that's a different practice. Um, or is it an expert in French philosophy and new critical thinking dating from around the late 19th century? <laughs> that is a magnificent bluff. Um, well done for researching that. <laughs> and hello to Wiry Fingers. I think I know this. I think dendrophilia is um, love of trees. You're right. Yes. Uh, we, I think we did that in the Christmas edition. Oh, uh, did we? A queer must quandary. <laughs> I, I'm very, but it would be very good for a Christmas one because, you know, a lot of people have a lot of trees in their houses over Christmas. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're inviting a tree into your life, then um, have some Christmas sex with it, right? I actually did, that One of my favourite things is actually to have sex under a Christmas tree with the light. <laughs> and why not? Why not? Mm. With a roaring fire, maybe, as well. Yeah. <laughs> Shall we do one more? Yes, I haven't got any more for you, but I'll, I'll take one from you. Okay. I mean, I haven't won anything yet. No, so this is your chance to actually win this week. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, mastofact, mastofact. Is it someone who gets turned on by breasts, playing with them or having them played with, or looking at them, mm. I guess, as well? Or is it a list of scientific phrases used in the study of best milking practices for animals? What's the word again? Mastofact. Oh, I think it's the breast one. You think it's someone who gets turned on by, by breasts or playing with them or having them played yeah. with? Yeah, I think it's the kink. It is a kink. Yes, you scored. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> wow, that's it. Uh, we're done for this week of uh, Kink My Bluff. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on um, Instagram Live. Five of them. All, f- all, five, all five people, but you know what? Who cares? <laughs> as long as someone's enjoying it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, more people will listen to the podcast. This podcast and, will, will... And be- everyone, everyone was very um, complimentary about your lip. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that filler's worked. okay well thank you everyone for joining thank you tommy um we'll go back to recording our podcast now give us a little give us a little kiss 
<laughs> um, we'll see you next time for Kink My Bluff. So we're back. We're back in the room. We're doing the podcast. Um, should we do what that really old queen? Yeah, I'm going to turn the lights on. Okay. Because it's a special occasion. Yes. <laughs> Have you put um, the Christmas lights on? No, not yet. <laughs> you still got the flags out. I know. Well, it's it's kind of coming to that, isn't it? I, I feel like I might just put the decorations up and just think, fuck it, it's Christmas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> End of lockdown is Christmas. Yeah. It might be Christmas. <laughs> I mean, in lots, in lots of ways, it feels like Christmas. Yeah, in that we're all stuck indoors, <laughs> not yeah. doing very much. Yeah. Although I have been out quite a few times this week because we're allowed to go out as many times we like here now. Yes, I've been in a socially uh, distant picnic. I know. I'm hoping to do something like that at the weekend. It's my friend Maz's birthday, so I think we're going to have a drink, so, uh, socially distant drink in a garden somewhere. Yeah, there was lots of people doing that today, which was nice to see. Yeah, it's great. It feels a little bit like things are becoming normal, even though they're obviously desperately not just yet. Anyway, who have you, who have you got for me? Uh, I've got Little Richard. Yes. So Little Richard kind of became famous, really, in the 1950s and is referred to as the king or queen of um, rock and roll, mm. the architect of rock and roll, yeah. in fact. And, you know, his story is so linked in with, uh, with black history, I suppose, in the sense that um, when he first came out, he was putting the records out, but, like, he wasn't really able to perform them in a way that he would want to, um, and, um, you know, certain restrictions about how he would perform them. Lots of white artists would perform his songs and, you know, cover his songs yeah. and they would, they would be recognised and then, and then little Richard would have his thing. But he's a really interesting character because, like, there's so many different dimensions to him. So he was brought up in a very religious family in a, in a small part of America and he's constantly kind of got this kind of thing going on um, between, like, very kind of religious... Um, strict, pure life and a kind of very hedonistic. Mm. Um, I first became really drawn to Little Richard and his kind of queerness when I went to see John Walters reading his book, um, Role Models. Oh, yeah. And there's a whole um, section about uh, Little Richard in that book. And I thought that I just might read that section for you because it so frames like who who little richard was yeah um and and actually this was the extract that little richard read right uh and so role models is a book where he where john walters talks about all of his kind of favorite role models by either interviewing them or doing some extra research and this is the section that i kind of chose so i bring up the book the life and times of little richard 
perhaps the best and most shocking celebrity tell or book written, penned by Charles White with Little Richard's full cooperation and published in 1984. It's copyrighted in the names of the author, the star, and his lifelong now-deceased manager, Robert Bumps Blackwell. It's a real Lulu, detailing his early life in which he travelled with the minstrel show, sold snake oil at Dr. Hudson's medicine show, and performed in drag as as Princess Labon. In, in touchingly included early childhood anecdotes, such as Richard giving an old lady neighbour a bowel movement in a box for her birthday. What a coincidence. Divine was on the receiving end of an exact same gift in pink flamingos. Halfway through the book, you realise that you are in a stratosphere of lunacy. The bizarre lifestyle you fantasise for little Richard is small potatoes compared to the actual truth. His one-time drug addictions and alcoholism, his hilarious threesome with Buddy Holly and his lifelong stripper friend Lee Angel with her 55-inch bust, his obsession with voyeurism, Richard the Watcher, and masturbation six or seven times daily, all topped off with the truly staggering photographs of many fashion moments. Just when you think the Nobel Prize, you get the final chapter, a compilation of Richard's religious testimony that seems to sour the entire volume and turn off the very audience for whom the book was written. He seems to want it both ways. Sounds like he wants it every way. I know. <laughs> and like, there's so many stories of like, like I've, all I've been doing this week is listening to Richard um, on Spotify and watching like all the old interviews with little Richard. And I also watched a, um, a film about little Richard, which does kind of like really taper it down really. But, you know, from a very young age, he was driving around in a car, um, giving blowjobs in woods or going around with his girlfriend and watching her have sex with all these different men. Um, so it was quite a kind of chaotic and, and, and wonderful, strange life, really. But then he does go into, you know, being a, um, a minister um, for the church. and Wow. And, After and, all that, and, yeah, and and also denying his sexuality, saying he was gay, but now he's a real man. Right. And when you look at images of him, he's kind of really beautiful, but he also looks kind of like a drag king in this way. Totally. I mean, he looks like a beautiful drag king. I mean, he famously was done on Snatch Game in um, on RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, one of the queens did Little Richard, and she won that game basically. I think it was Kennedy Davenport yeah. and she was, I mean, it was amazing and funny and, but um, I watched that not knowing the history of little Richard. And now I know a little bit more of the history. I can understand why they've done that. Yeah. And he like, so the Beatles before they became famous toured and supported little Richard. And apparently, you know, little Richard was the one that taught Paul McCartney to do the, and you know famously wore makeup and eye, fake eyelashes and all that stuff and there's like in all the documentaries like he says this just brilliant things like 
look at my lovely smooth skin and I'm 56. <laughs> I mean, he had a lot of work done though, didn't he? He, well, when he was older, he looked like he'd had a lot of surgery. Sort of quite, yeah, I probably did, but I didn't, re- I didn't find any evidence for that. But yeah, you would say that his face told that story. Yeah, great. And that uh, masturbating six or seven times a day, and he wasn't even in lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's sort of, it, 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 it tells a story about him him being some that is probably quite scared of actually being involved in the sexual act like yeah. wants to wants to actually watch it or taking it but um is 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 scared to actually be involved yes boogaloo stew's come into the room the virtual room yes welcome to the show boogaloo stew hello <laughs> <laughs> hi we were just talking about little richard oh yeah yeah i wondered whether that you know i wondered whether your look is where where you where your inspiration for your look is from and do you take any inspiration from the 1950s with that um i mean i think obviously there is a lineage there but i i i'm i'm not i don't really know much about little richard i mean i know i knew he was gay um, I was aware of his sexuality and how it was hidden, a bit like it was for so many uh, musicians and actors in that era. But he wasn't a direct inspiration, but I suppose there's bits of what he did that other than copied who then inspired me. I was a huge, huge fan of Jane Mansfield, who was in The Girl Can't Help It, the star of The Girl Can't Help It, which obviously Little Richard was in that film and played a lot of the songs in that film. So I was kind of aware of him from that, but I was really interested in Jane Mansfield as a kind of icon, as as a kind of, you know, like, I don't know who she would compare to now, but she was really fame hungry and did anything she could to to get famous. Mm. And that was, it wasn't something I aspired to copy at all, but I was fascinated much more than I was with anyone other sort of blonde icon like Marilyn Monroe didn't interest me at all. I was interested in the, the cheesiness of Jane Mansfield and the, the fact she posed nude and, and all, all these things she did to kind of cling to fame in the 60s. Actually, to say that I was interested in Jane Mansfield in the 50s isn't really fair because it's 60s Jane Mansfield. It's tragic latter, later career Jane Mansfield. Well, that's what I was going to say. What happens to Jane in the end? Well, she died in a horrendous car crash in 1967 like a really horrendous car crash and her career was on it on the skids literally and um there was lots of reports at the time that she was decapitated oh yes i think photographs of the car that that she was in but it was actually just her wig that was on the on the dashboard of the car she wasn't decapitated well some would say that's decapitation anyway you know if you lose your wig yeah in this day and age, it definitely is. Yeah. yeah. Where is your Where is your like visual look from inspired by? Are you able to cite any references, or is it too deeply subconscious? No, I mean, there's definitely. I don't really know where the quiff came from. I yeah, actually don't because people might not know your look. It's very mm. distinctive. So it's usually like, would you? Is it pink? A pink quiff? Well, I mean, it could be any colour. Very many different shades over the year. Usually a pastel shade. Yeah, there's a lot of 
Sorry. I think of it as kind of East, like a lot of Easter colours. Mm, yeah. I think the 70s in general, having just talked about the 50s and the 60s, I'd now like to bring the 70s in because I think that is the decade that has informed my look the most. The quiff isn't a particularly 70s thing, but everything else is kind of 70s. I'm obsessed with 70s, early 70s fabric, um, mm. the prints, lurex thread through them, double knit fabrics that have a bit of stretch in them. It's very uncomfortable and hot to wear. That's what I'm interested in. And I find them on Etsy and eBay now. I find lengths of these fabric offcuts that no one wants, usually being sold quite cheap, sometimes really expensive. But, you know, I find amazing fabrics and they're my inspiration for my look. It's that kind of, I suppose it's nostalgia for the, you know, people tend to be nostalgic for the era that they were children in, mm. you know, um, but I look back to that era and I look at the plastic furniture and the, the kind of space race that was happening and how it was reflected in, in interiors and fashion and stuff. And that for me was, was and is an inspiration. Well, you also, you're really crafty, aren't you? Cause you make all your costumes. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Yeah, I've actually, there's a pile of fabrics right here. I mean, obviously this is just, a, 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 there's no visuals with this podcast, so no. you're not going to see this, but um, I've got some right here um, that are waiting to be made into um, costumes. There's this one here. Oh, wow. There's this one. Yeah. There's this one. This is, this is um, great for uh, radio. There's this one. <laughs> There's this one, and there's, oh, there's this one, and there's also this one, which is really amazing. That one maybe looks... Maybe we could ask the listeners which one they prefer. Yeah. Yeah, I think maybe we could do a kind of box, a poll of some sort, you know, yeah. um, and see what people think, because I'm, I'd be... It really, I, well, you know, depending on their favourite, I could actually plow on and get that one made. Well, let's do that. So, uh, please they tell us one. which. Yeah. Any of our listeners that are listening in, all all three of you. you want this one or that one or this one? <laughs> yeah. Or that but one. Please write write in or email or Instagram. Uh, just send nudes, basically, and then we'll um, mm-hmm. we'll decide uh, which one Boogaloo Stu should make his next outfit out of. Yeah. But all of those were bought on Etsy and eBay and and those kind of you know sites, and I'm constantly scouring to see what I can find, and um, it's a treasure trove, a veritable treasure trove. Yeah. Platform shoes as well, you know, seventies platforms, authentic men's platforms. I can't stand those kind of knockoff nasty uh, kind of fancy dress platforms that you get on you know fancy dress websites Ugh, yuck it has to be what, about a, sort of, what about a kind of late 90s sort of spice girl platform where no, absolutely not the 90s isn't an inspiration for me and and that whole idea of a 70s revival in the 90s does not appeal to me although having said that the 70s the, a lot of the fashion then was a, a sort of edwardian revival and I'm into that, but I'm just not into a 70s revival, whether it's in the it's 90s that or in kind the of 90s. Laura Ashley look, isn't it? The 70s had that Laura Ashley thing going on. Yeah, there was a bit of that. Uh, Bernie knows all about that from Marianne, don't I you, do. Bernie? We have a, we have a mutual friend, friend, Maz, who kind of introduced us uh, years ago. 
and yes, uh, <laughs> at Dynamite Boogaloo, I won yeah. shove a penny up your crack and broke a glass, and um, mm-hmm. the rest mm-hmm. is history. Yeah, yeah. The coin fired out of your buttocks. The Chinese tea, the glass was shattered. I know, right? People were picking glass out of those skinned eyes. I mean, there was lacerations galore. It was, it was an abs. It was carnage. (laughs) It was the great Brighton glass tragedy of 1996. Um, Can we bring the 80s in? Because what you did a thing called—is it pop craft or? pop something and you very often talk about the 80s and a certain year in the 80s which has inspired you for pop music yeah musically i'd say i'm more attuned to the 80s so my fashion sense i think comes from the 70s but my musical taste again like so many people when you're a teenager i was a teenager in the early 80s and that it that it's that era that defines my or defined a big part of my musical taste so yeah 1982 for me is the pinnacle of, of the golden era of yeah. music and i think the show you were referring to is pop magic where pop magic that's I, it sorry yeah i took an audience through the process of making a pop song making a unique pop song over the course of an hour and then a video to go with it which we then uploaded onto the internet the next day and back in 2013 it was it was new it was different yeah. it hadn't been done no. Well, I think it happened to you. Well, I think you were cutting edge. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Boogaloo Stew, will you stay with us? We're going to have a little break now, but yes. we'll come back and talk to you a bit more. And then yeah. will you will you kindly be one of our queens of agony? Of course. Are you going to mute me? Can um, I listen? What's happening? Um, I will mute you for a second, and then we'll have a break. where we, oh, okay. I won't record yeah. anything. Well, I won't yeah. tell you I'm recording. And then... <laughs> um, and then we'll come back and I'll pretend yeah, that we've come okay. back to recording. Okay, great. So um, we'll have a break now and we'll be back after this. Right, so we're back. We've had a bit of a break. Uh, we're still here with Boogaloo Stew and the lovely Tom Marshman. And can we ask you a few more questions, Mr. Boogaloo Stew? Yes, go right ahead. Um, <laughs> so can you tell us about your uh, alternative persona, Derek Daniels? I can, yes. I mean, Derek is in retirement at the moment during lockdown he may appear at some point um some of your listeners may be familiar with the work of Derek Daniels but he's an he's now is he he's he's very nearly an octogenarian um but yeah he's in his late 70s he's a former television presenter from the 1970s that was his heyday um and he's fallen on hard time he doesn't know how to revive his career in this in this day and age and he's been trying for several years with uh, his musical sidekick, Ronnie Hazelnut, who's stood by him through thick and thin over the years, um, and also his wife, Bev. They've, they've both really rallied around him and tried to resurrect his career, but to no avail so far. And he recently toured with a show, Much Ado About Bingo, which is a kind of 1970s 
musical bingo mashup where Derek sings medleys have been which I saw at Bristol Pride. Yes, yes, in a wardrobe would that have been? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. that's just around the corner from Tommy. Um, yeah. Well, you're missing. We're missing you at Bristol Pride this year. I think you've hosted it every single year, haven't you? Pretty much. I hosted it, I hosted it for I think. Well, yeah, ten years I think. But I I wasn't asked to do it this year. But I mean, I wasn't anticipating being asked to do it this year because Darren has stepped down. So yeah, I I I don't know if I'll be invited back or not. I'd love to do it again though because well, I really enjoy it. Let's hope so. We always enjoy it. I mean, I've, I've been volunteering backstage a few years and we always mm. have a bit of a laugh uh, back there with all the different personalities that come and go. But D- Derek Daniels, what was the first show that you did? And I have a bone yeah. to pick with you because there seems okay. to be a character in that show <laughs> that has a very similar name to me. Yes, yes. There's Bernie Big Balls uh, in the first show. Um yeah, uh, Bernard Biggins is a character in Derek's first show. The first show is called Crinkling Millionaire, and it was it's a, a kind of a board game, an oversized board game that the audience play in three teams. It's a theatre show, but there's a kind of interactive game show element. And within the structure of the show, Bernard Biggins is an incidental character who is the head of light entertainment at the BBC and had a few run-ins with Derek over the years. And Derek took his revenge in this show by creating a character called Bernie Big Balls, who was actually a pair of underpants with an enormous pair of testicles stitched onto the gusset and with eyes on each testicle and a big pubic bush. So it gave the illusion of it almost being human, the sort of pendulous testicles with the eyes and the bush above. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, re- I remember you invited me to the show and you saying, Bernie, you actually feature in the show, so you should come and see it. <laughs> <Did I>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you do. And well, it, Bernie Big Balls, his role in the show, at the end of the show, the winner of the, uh, the game uh, is invited on stage and they have to wear the underpants at half-mast around their knees and they have to swing the testicles and hit a donut with the testicles around the board, and they have to hit a target with the testicles. So they're moving around, thrusting their hips to make the testicles move with the pants at half marks. It's quite a sight to behold. <laughs> How and did you know that was my favourite pastime of a Sunday? Oh, I mean, it was just all inspired by you, Bernie. I mean, it's just <laughs> it's just who you are. And it's really just, uh, I was just channeling the essence of you into that character. Big and pendulous. Great. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> and on that note, um, shall we do some Queens of Agony? Oh, yes. Yes, please. Okay, I'm going to do a big gong. Right, so I've got four questions for the Queens of Agony, and I'm I'm going to include you in the old Queen Club, Stu. Um, (laughs) 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 Dear old Queens, when will it again be okay to snuggle? Back in the before times, I had a playmate who would come over and play at least once a month. This had lasted a full year, 
a new record for me. I think I'm unwilling to wait until we have a vaccine, but I'm not sure when it will be right to suggest we resume playing. Maybe when we can both be tested? I don't really know his roommate situation or what contact he might have with other people. What do the old queens reckon? Well, um, snuggling. Just yeah. snuggling, is it? Or is there any other... Well, I mean, I think s- s- snuggling is a euphemism for something else. It's a euphemism. Yeah. But I actually think snuggling is, 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 is just as dangerous in terms of corona mm. as the hardcore fuck. Not yes. Sure. So, so you what might. What kind of language is that? <laughs> Sorry. What kind of podcast is this? <laughs> the filthiest. <laughs> you, you obviously haven't tuned in before. <laughs> we say we say fuck or bugger all the time. Uh, yeah, and if you just, I mean, why just have a snuggle if you could have a hardcore fuck? I mean, if you're going to take the risk, take the risk, right? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I've got no advice to give, really. I, w- I wouldn't do it. Don't do it. My advice is that my advice is that you need to follow the science. Really, we're not, <laughs> yeah. we're not scientists, and I can tell I can tell you that you know I've been in that situation and got very frustrated and felt like you know I have a, someone that comes around for a snuggle. Um, and I did invite them round last weekend. I don't know if this is, I should say this on, but I, I invited them round because they'd been socially isolating. They hadn't seen anyone, they said, for five weeks. And I just thought it was about time that we create sort of small pockets of people that we are able to commune with. Yeah. And I- that's what I did. Um, but I don't want that to feel like that is my advice it's like you need to find your own way through that yeah i mean we've got so few cases in bristol i think last count it was like 670 uh, for quite a big city and there was a day this week where there were no new cases and i think there were two yesterday Uh, i mean in terms of that it's relatively safe Uh, i don't think they're from bristol at all no but um so you might want to check on that science um, I mean, I could be a pseudoscientist if I want to be. And I think it is down to your own personal preference. I think if, mm-hmm. if like you, Tommy, both of you have been social isolating, I mean, it, it's up to you whether you want to take that risk. or work. I mean, I know people that are in a relationship, they don't live together, but they've been seeing each other. And I don't see how that's any different in a way. It, I mean, it's a different kind of relationship. But yeah, you... Yeah. You both need to decide whether it's you're you're both going to take the risk or not. You can trust us, then. You know, I think if you know them and you can trust them that they're not an idiot and haven't been going out shagging everyone and yeah. you know picking up vegetables that have been infected in the supermarket. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? It's like I yeah. think if you can trust that person, it, then it, I, I think it's fine. I read figures yesterday that it's the the latest figures show that approximately one in 400 people are infected with coronavirus in this country. That is a really, that's a pretty low risk. Mm. You know, obviously there's going to be hotspots and you might not know where those hotspots are and it could suddenly get much worse as well. Now that restrictions are gradually being eased in England. It's, it's, you've just got to evaluate that risk, I suppose yourself and figure out 
what you feel is safe to do. And also, I mean, do you feel that you might have already had it? Because a lot of people yeah. I know think they've had and maybe you would have some natural immunity to it. Again, it's such a new disease that no one can really say for sure whether no, you loads. get any long-term immunity. But I'm sure you, it seems pretty probable that you'll have some short-term immunity at least. Yeah. And wouldn't just get it straight away again. And loads of people are asymptomatic as well. So, uh, I mean, mm. yeah, I don't know. It's such weird times. And I think it's about us connecting with our humanity again and as lockdown eases and if that means connecting with somebody else in an intimate nature then if you're going to be safe about it and talk about it and have minimal risk to anybody else then go for it but you you guys need to discuss that i think could you have an online session have you thought about that yeah i mean people are having zoom orgies apparently (laughs) Well, we could have one when we. Would you be satisfied with that, or is it the, the touch you need? Is it is it is it the the personal touch, the closeness, the I, intimacy? Well, he wants a snuggle. I don't think he's going to get that from an online Zoom orgy. Could you do a snuggle? Could you just spoon maybe with masks and visors on, or something like that? <laughs> I think you could, <laughs> and I think Tommy sent me a picture of something similar. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could. You could theoretically do it that way. Just get your hazmat look together and have a hazmat spooning session. <laughs> I, I mean... I didn't know you I knew know. hazmat. Hazmat, yeah, I know hazmat. Yeah, I thought so. Great girl. <laughs> Lovely girl. Shall we move on? <laughs> I think yes, we've yes. done that one. Okay. Dear old queens, I turned 32 this year. And my older brother and I were reminiscing about being teenagers and he asked me about the last time I woke up with a morning wood. It got me thinking and over the last week or so, I've only woken up with one three times. It used to be every day. Reading and Google research made me worried. I don't suffer from erectile dysfunction and neither does my brother. So just curious, is this something that starts to go away as we all get older. Well, I'm not sure that that's an appropriate conversation to be having with your brother, for one thing. No. Did you make these up, Bernie? What's I going on with you? I don't know all those intimate details about what his brother's erection's like. Well, I guess they grew up together. I mean, <laughs> who knows what kind of relationship they have. Can I tell you the most funniest story about a morning? Please do. I, was yes. gonna, I thought you were going to say no, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> I never say no. You know this. <laughs> I did a show, and um, and it was. I think it went quite well. And um, my mum went to see it, and then she drove me back to her house or my mum and dad's house, and I stayed the night there. And in the morning, I woke up with a morning glory, and I I opened the bedroom door to go to the bathroom and had to walk past her bedroom and I did have a morning glory and as she as she saw me walk through the gap in her wind uh, through her door she shouted a star has risen (laughs) (laughs) she was obviously very generous about the fact that I was you know she thought it was a good show last night (laughs) (laughs) amazing 
<laughs> uh, Boogaloo Stew, uh, Morning Woods or Morning well, Woodens? I don't think it's important whether you have one in the morning or not. I don't think it's relevant to, uh, you know, your he- sexual health, whether, whether you have one or seven a week. You know, I don't think it's relevant. I think what's relevant here is the weird pervy nature of these questions that you're getting, Bernie. <laughs> and also, where they're coming from, I'm pretty certain that you wrote that one yourself. And this is a really <laughs> veiled reference to your own perversions, your own weird <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can I promise not- you, I didn't write that version about uh, I thought it was something more to do with um, This Is Me. I think it's more to do with something about wanting to have a piss than actually being aroused. Mm. Well, if I can be pseudoscientist for a moment, your uh, penis naturally kind of services itself throughout the night and will get hard and soft, you know, a number of times. And I guess... Everyone's. You're talking about mine personally. (laughs) Everyone's. I mean, there's there is an issue if it doesn't. Watching it. <laughs> I've got that camera in your bedroom. I mean, you know this. <laughs> I've got Tommy's cock cam. Um, but <laughs> and so I guess it just depends on what time you wake up as to whether it's erect or not. Um, what I can say as an old queen is, it does seem to happen less as you get older, but when it does happen. I always appreciate it. That's my answer. (laughs) Yeah, it's just like, oh, that's nice. So sometimes when you don't have things as much, you appreciate them more when they happen. And that happens a lot when you're older. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Shall we move on to the next question? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Dear old queens, getting older, for you, is busy city life better than boring beach life would you move to a tropical location with little to do where you could sit on a beach every day enjoy good booze wine and seafood and be bored with your partner or do you want to live in a spendy overpriced apartment in a major city full of noise amazing food and feeling connected to the world i was considering moving from the city area to a substantially cheaper locale where I can buy a house, but there isn't really anything to do. No gay bars or anything. Great views, countryside and beach though, and easier living. So based on your values and what you dreamed of, what would you do? And it doesn't have to be a beach. You could move to a farm in the country, for instance, in the middle of nowhere. There you go. So what do you think? Gosh, that was a long question. It's quite a long question for, uh, I mean, for a relatively simple question. Yes, yeah, yeah. I personally dream of living the country life. Do you? I do really, it really, really appeals to me. And actually, something that I've realised via this lockdown experience is that it might be viable for me to, to do what I do as an online thing, you know, as a as an online concept, I could continue maybe doing this. I don't know. And maybe I wouldn't need to go to venues in places like London or Bristol or Brighton. Um, and that I could just be in the countryside somewhere 
And a few destinations that I could see myself living, definitely, that are not in a city. I, I can take it or leave it. I don't, I don't see a lot of people living here in Brighton. They don't, people don't knock on my door. You know, I don't have many visitors. So this lockdown experience for me has just been quite normal. I've got lots of friends, but I tend to only see them when I'm doing my shows or going to gigs or special occasions and those kind of things. I don't have this network of people that I see on a regular basis in a, in a social sense. So I wouldn't miss it. Okay. The city. I, w- I just wouldn't miss it. So if you're like that, then maybe it is the thing, maybe that is for you. Uh, it depends how integrated you are into your social scene. If you meet up with lots of people constantly, if you're constantly going to bars and if you're missing that cafe, bar, restaurant, pub scene that you're entrenched in, if you're missing it now in lockdown, then don't leave. You know, wait for it to come back. It's obviously part of who you are. That's uh, what I would say. I mean, you're you're happily married, aren't you? I am, yes. Hello, hi. <laughs> so that probably helps your situation. Yeah, it does. I mean, obviously, yeah, that is... How was why I'm not particularly social. <laughs> How was the online performing gone though? Because I know talking to you, Tommy, and uh, Miss Timberlina as well, you found it quite different, and you're craving the live experience, aren't you? Do Do mm. you not crave that, Stuart? I don't. No, no. I um. I think yeah. Part of me is kind of thinking, oh, it'd be nice to be in a room full of people, but. I'm actually, I'm re- I've been really enjoying doing my Zoom quizzes and my Zoom bingo things and what have you. It's, in, it's totally enough for me. This, is, this was actually one of my questions to you because I felt like the last time I saw you was um, in the Marlborough and you were doing the pub quiz and you performed it so well. Like, and you do all the, you know, the eye rolling and the one-liners and everything. And I just felt a little bit frustrated that people seemed to be more interested in finding out what the answers were. And, like, I just wanted to watch you. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, the thing is, I have a lot of regular teams at those quizzes, and they're there every week. And the focus is on the quiz. Mm. And, you know, because of my shtick, you'd kind of get tired of paying attention to me week after week. You, so the focus is on the quiz. And that does, again, that doesn't bother me at all. That doesn't faze me. Just the kind of vessel there to, to present it and to go through the process of finding a winner, you know? And I do, I love performing with people and for people and participating with people. You're getting people involved in something. Whatever kind of show it is, there's always a bit of interaction somewhere in that show. And... I, I kind of miss that, but to be honest, I'm I'm doing that with these Zoom events. I'm doing the same thing. I'm talking to people. I'm spotlighting people, having a chat about what they're drinking, what's that on their wall, who the what their pet's name is, or whatever it is. I have that kind of interaction with them, and we have a laugh, and everyone help, everyone else in the Zoom is hopefully enjoying it too. So it, it has that same quality. So for me, I'm definitely not particularly missing the live thing at the moment maybe that will change i don't know that's interesting but, but specifically we're talking about moving to the country aren't we, aren't we, we are. yes, we were. Uh, moving to I, the country I, or the beach from earlier on 
yeah, I um, I felt like, well, my response is I'm always like, I like Stu, I just want to be, I want to be living in the country, but I also want to live in the city. I identify with little Richard in that way of being just like having very two polarized sort of ideas about how I want to be. And um, I think ultimately, like my absolute main vision would be um, to have a beach hut, like in Dorset, which would be really simple for me to travel on a train and I could stay for a couple of days in a beach hut in the summer and then come back to my city life. But I do, as I get older, I hanker more and more for like space and not being in this. And it feels a bit like a treadmill of a kind of like endless social events and parties and people and fun, which I love, but I want a bit of a respite from it. Yeah, I can identify with that. I mean, I kind of grew up in quite a country area. And I mean, since I moved to Bristol, I love living in the city. I love all of those events. I love, I mean, I mean, I live on my own, like you, Tommy. I love having that, yeah, my social family around me, um, being able to see them and, and um, go to events with them. But I've also always craved living by the sea. And so, you know, a, a country location with a with a beach would be idyllic for me and yeah i think it would be nice to have the best of both worlds certainly if i'm single i still need that interaction i, cu- I couldn't just move to a beach hut and just live there on my own i think i'd go crazy I've, I've nearly gone crazy in lockdown so yeah i don't know i mean you've got you've got a beach stew haven't you you're in brighton yeah yeah i mean I, I have- and you never go do you I've got the best of both worlds. I never go to, well, I go to the sea once a year, maybe. No one in Brighton ever goes um, to the beach. Um, yeah, I don't go very often. I mean, well, at the moment, it's probably quite nice down there. I haven't been down, but, you know, I don't like going down there when it's crowded. So no. I would need to, if I do go down there, I tend to try and find the opportunity when it's empty. Um, but I'm really lucky here because I've got an allotment. Oh. And also during lockdown, I've been able to go to my lot. And so I have a sense of country living almost when I go to my allotment because it's really quiet up there and it's, you know, I'm gardening, which I love. It's something many people don't realise about Boogaloo's too, that he's an avid gardener. And, yeah, I – and that's – but having that allotment, that is also another reason why I think I would adapt and love country living because I love it there. Yeah. I could go there every day and I could spend six hours there. I wouldn't tire of it. What's your best um, crop this year? Well, at the moment, it's full of onions. Um, like I've got me. all kinds of onions. I've got shallots. I've got red onions, Spanish onions, uh, garlic. Loads of the beds are full of onions. And they're almost ready to take out. Like the end of May, beginning of June, we might be able to lift some and that will free up a lot of space for stuff that's coming on in the greenhouse. I've got courgettes. Um, How long can you keep an onion for? I planted them last year. So they're like went in in late October, early November, something like that. When all the summer crops were finished, I planted all the onions, all the onion sets out. And they, How long can you keep them at home for? Oh, a, a long, long time. You dry them. Uh, when, when I lift them, I'll dry them in the shed and they'll last six months, pro- probably longer. Um, so we'll have all the onions and garlic we need probably right through to the, the spring next year. 
For those of you who've just joined us, welcome to Gardener's Question Time. Um, shall we, have you got an allotment, Tommy? You haven't got an allotment, have you? No, but I had one for. I mean, I had one for a year, and I did, and I used it as a performance space. But obviously, I did <laughs> gardening there. But I, I did a performance on the allotment that marked the changing of the sea, um, and it was a beautiful thing to do. Amazing. Did you grow anything? Oh yeah, I grew loads. Yeah, I, I, I grew everything, and right. I, and I used it as a proper allotment. But I also used it as performance space. So the audience sat around the perimeter of the thing, and I would do like I, I had like a choir of whistlers. I had a dancer that I buried in the earth. I had like lectures about the mating rituals of snails that that I got the snails performing on like glass sheets. Like it was like an amazing thing wow. because. Yeah. It was inspiring to be in that. To, there's so much stuff, you know. Yeah. But it I went was to an amazing show with Mark Rees. Do you know Mark Rees? Yes, I love Mark Rees. Yeah. He did a show in Brighton Festival about five or six years ago, which was a tour of allotments on the outskirts of Brighton. And it was linked to Shakespeare. Uh, it was the Shakespeare 400 celebration, so before years ago, 2016. And um, it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. There was all these little knitted Shakespearean characters on certain allotments um, that you you were given a map and you went around and you discovered all these little Shakespearean knitted characters. Um, and they were intimately intact. One of them was uh, Macbeth and was wearing a kilt that if you lifted the crown jewels were there with a little ginger bush. Wow. <laughs> We should definitely get Mark Rees on the on the podcast. Yeah, sounds like we should. And I want to see that knitted Macbeth, please. I want private pics. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I have one final question for us, and then the podcast is over and you can all be released. Um, so, dear old queens, my inner drag queen is ready to come out. So, uh, I've been teetering on the idea of doing drag. As my ugly self know that I'm not a fishy queen but rather a butch queen up in drag. I've been teaching myself how to vogue and perform, and now all I need is some makeup, costumes, and a drag mother, wigs, and I'm ready. Oh, and can you suggest some drag names? So there we go. We have a drag would, queen in the making. I would say for a start, that's not that's not what all you need. I feel like <laughs> okay, great. I don't think you need any of that to be honest. No, I would say like it w- yeah, you don't need any of that. But it would be nice to have a like more of a concept of what you what it is or what you who you are. The character. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because all of those things that they cited were were quite generic mm. and and have been done before by different people. So perhaps we want to you know I guess people want to. Ha- identify with someone that is different a yeah character that's different. um it's kind of defining what your drag is in a way isn't it mr boogaloo stew you have a very different kind of drag don't you that you do mm. well i don't categorize myself as a drag queen i mean it is kind it some people say oh i love your drag or all right girl you look amazing whatever you know they they perceive me as a female impersonator or a drag queen or whatever and i don't take offense at that but i 
I'm not a drag queen. I don't see myself as a drag queen. No, but I think what you um, do but, do is drag. I mean, I would I would call it drag because you you, yeah. you dress up and you perform. A it's bit, exaggeration. Yeah, mm. a bit like Alfie yeah. Ordinary, who's like a drag yeah. prince. He calls himself a drag prince, doesn't he? Mm. I think that's a nice way to, to phrase it, actually. It's a nice term for it. But um, Tupelina, like, is not doesn't identify with a drag queen, would call her herself no. a lady. Mm. No. I don't know. I, I mean, those... I don't even know. To be honest, I have got no idea what a fishy queen is. What is a fishy queen? I, it I means, do not know. It's quite derogatory, I think. It, it means it someone who's more feminine, who looks like a beautiful woman. Right. I mean, I mean it's yeah, all come it from drag race, hasn't it? You see, I don't watch Drag Race, much to Marianne's annoyance, to mention Marianne again. <laughs> She'll I love this. Oh, I never mention Maz. She I hates that I never mention it. her. Yeah. <laughs> well, she's been mentioned loads. And I really, that programme, weirdly, I had, you know, a connection to RuPaul when I lived in New York many, many years ago, before he was famous. And he was a big inspiration for me when I met him. Um, but now, I, I there's nothing absolutely nothing inspiring about him for me and everything he does to me is just generic it's just it's horrible and predictable and crass and sorry but there it is i i kind of agree with you but i i do find some redeeming features from it but not i Mm, I just far between i just hate the fact that it it it's been held as a celebration of everything that's diverse because it doesn't feel like that at all. It it's just like, no. I mean, the people that I think are inspirational um, or interesting or unique, uh, he doesn't, you know, it, it, what he's doing is, it, you know, it has its place. There's no doubt about that. But for me personally, you know, people that are interesting and unique are Johnny Woo or legato chocolat or timbalina or someone who just isn't just going oh look at my fucking nose painted black on the sides and with a white dot on the end it's like that isn't art it's not artful it's not creative it's it's quite frankly just following the herd it's rubbish i think i'm gonna play devil's avocado here because i love um drag race and Um, there is a lot of that, and there certainly was a lot of that in the in the beginning seasons, because they have a pageant culture over there where everybody does have to look beautiful and like a woman. But they, yeah, there's been a lot of dra- interesting drag queens that have come on that show, especially the UK one. I think uh, some of the drag queens there were brilliant, who are different, and it's not all about the beauty; it's about the act and performing and being funny and bringing something different. Yeah. The thing is, you're probably right, because I haven't seen it. <laughs> I'm basing <laughs> all of this on maybe seeing a few clips on Facebook that I've, I've, pre- I've played and also just seeing photographs of people, the, yeah. the generic look that I see, you know. Um, so I actually don't know if any of them are any good or not. But the programme itself, fundamentally, it doesn't make me want to watch it. No. To me, it just doesn't. I mean, I bloody loved what the Divine David did in the late 90s. It had a series on Channel 4. Yes. And that was part terrifying, part completely mind-blowing and incredible. And that is what a, a dra- you know an interesting drag queen does on television, in mm. my opinion. 
I'm not interested in that polished kind of veneer, that kind of sassy kind of rubbish. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> Why don't you say what you really think? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Stu. I think we're we're all going to get um, killed by the drag race mafia. <laughs> yeah. I've uh, I've only ever done drag as a character in films. Uh, I don't think I've done it once, at, like a, a performance, uh, like an event. And I've always gone for like a character thing, something which is slightly different. I've never, I mean, look at the size of me. I, I can't go for beauty. So even though I have beautiful lips, apparently uh, on Instagram live earlier, what uh, what's your best drag names for this writer in a row? I got, um, I got really interested when, when lockdown first started happening and a lot, there was a lot of conversation about uh, civil unrest <laughs> Um, yes. And I thought, you know, Sybil Unrest would be a great drag queen name. Yeah, but I understand that actually it is a proper drag queen name. Uh, Has someone got it already? I think okay. someone's already got it. Mm. Okay. What about Pandemic? That could work for a short time, hopefully only a short time. Okay. I mean, does it have to be related to the lockdown? I like no, Lydia not at all. Dustin. You like what? Sorry, say again. Lydia, Lydia Dustin. Lid of your dustbin, in other words. <laughs> <laughs> Lydia Dustin. <laughs> Sorry, you kept cutting out in the middle every time you said it. <laughs> and so I, I just couldn't. My, I was like, best. "Where is this going? I don't know what this is." Um, it was my very best Norman Collier impersonation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, only us three would remember Norman Collier. Uh, no, he was a great drag queen. Well, I mean, Not a great drag queen. I don't think I remember who he was. He wasn't a drag queen. No, he wasn't. He used to do like chicken impressions on Tiswas and um, do things like this, as if the mic was cutting out. (laughs) My favorite, my (laughs) my favorite drag queen name, which I'm I'm kind of I might trademark is Miscombobulated. I think that's okay. I think that's a good, you know. It's simple. It's a simple but effective one i think yeah and she could be really confused all the time and uh, all over the place yeah that's good yeah what about pamo chocolate chocolate. i like that yeah that's good there's lots of pan based drag queens of course pan (laughs) chester yes that's it any other (laughs) pandemic pandemic pamo chocolate and pan chester pan chester Great. I think that's a, that's the perfect place to end. What about Chirizo? <laughs> Can we do something? Because I'm eating a lot of it. Cherylizo or something. Cherylizo? It's work in progress. Yeah. We'll think about that. We'll think about that for next week. And if you've got any of your own fantastic drag names to send in, please do send them in to us because um, we're happy for any and all contact. Um, uh, Boogaloo Stew, thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Sorry if I offended the drag community. I didn't mean it. I love you all. <laughs> well, you were live from your kill room, so you were just going to slay yeah, tonight, right? <laughs> well, say goodbye, Boogaloo. Bye then. Thank you very much for having me. You're very it's been a pleasure. Nice. I'm going to leave the, the Zoom room now. Is that okay? Yeah, you can leave now if you want. <laughs> Oh, no, I'll stay then. You, you... Can, you can stay for a bit. Um, yeah, you can talk. 
I mean, maybe wait till the end of the show. I mean, I mean, it's up to you though. I mean, you could just come in and out as you please. I just want to check that you are not going to talk about me. Okay. Um, (laughs) Thank you, Tommy, for being on board as usual. Say goodbye. Goodbye, Bernie. Goodbye, and we will see you next time on What That Old Queen. have been listening to what that old queen written and presented by tom marshman and bernie hodges the show was produced by bernie hodges in lockdown 2020 for hodge podcasting if you'd like to sponsor a show or you'd just like to be a guest or you have a question for the old queens you can email on hello at thatoldqueen.com or find us on facebook instagram or twitter Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.